Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Good morning, Johns Creek family, and Merry Christmas. Listen, I, I pray that wherever you are today and whoever may be with you, I pray that whatever whatever your current situation is, whether you have a sea of wrapping paper around your feet and kids crawling everywhere, or there may just be one or two of you snuggled together on a sofa, or even if today you're in solitude and you are especially mindful of someone who you love and who you miss and whose image is framed in the picture on the end table next to you, I pray wherever you are that you are overwhelmed by the awareness that he is born, that unto you is born this day a Savior. You know, over the last several weeks, we've been talking about what it means to wait for this day, and not just to wait for this day, for the birth of Christ, but what it means to wait for all kinds of things. Everybody waits for something sometime, right? I mean, some of us wait for something to stop, and some wait for something to start. Some wait for, uh, I don't know, a solution to a problem, or maybe the repair to a relationship. Some wait for a, a bigger salary, a better bonus, or maybe a brand new start altogether. But whatever it is that we're waiting for, we've talked over the last few weeks about the reality that there is this illusion that while we're waiting, that nothing's happening, that somehow in our wait, we're kind of in a holding pattern where nothing really significant is happening and nothing could be further from the truth. In the last few weeks, we've talked about the reality that the wait is not a waste, that the wait is where it happens, that the wait is worth it. And today, today I get to talk to you for just a moment about the, the incredible good news that the wait is over. That's right. That because of the birth of Jesus, everything that we will have ever waited for ultimately really is over. And I know that sounds strange because you woke up today still waiting for the thing that is unresolved, unfinished, imperfect still. And I know, I get it. But there is this story in Scripture that if we pay attention to it for just a moment, it may reveal how it's possible for something to still be a little bit unfinished, but in the end, actually, the wait actually be over. So in the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke, it's a Christmas story, but it's not one of the popular passages. You know what I mean? It's not a story that has shepherds and angels and, and, and mangers filled with hay or swaddling clothes. Yeah, this story happens at the end of chapter 2. Jesus is born, and 40 days later, his parents take him to the temple in Jerusalem to dedicate him. That's what the law required. That was their custom. They take him to have a kind of, I don't know, 
family covenant day with the Holy Family. And they show up this particular day. And Luke tells us that there are two individuals who encounter the baby Jesus, who the Bible describes as well advanced in years, which is basically Luke's very kind way of saying two very old individuals. And he meets these two people, Simeon and Anna. And their encounter with the baby Jesus, 40-year-old or 40-day-old baby Jesus, may show us something about what it looks like for the wait to actually really be over. We read about it in Luke chapter 2, beginning actually in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. That's such a great story, but what's curious to me is how Luke seems to be really concerned to make sure we know how old they are. As if part of the story involves knowing that they are at the end of their journey, that they have come to the end when they met Christ. And isn't that how it always is? It's when we come to the end of ourselves that we really see Christ. When we come to the, to the end of our our resources, to the end of our solutions, to the end of our bag of tricks, to the end of our energy, to the end of our ego, our pride, our fear, our anger, that we are now postured in a way to truly see, maybe for the first time, the birth of the one who can make all things new. What's fascinating to me is that Simeon, we're told, was waiting for a very specific thing. He was waiting for years and years for the consolation of Israel. That's what the text says, the consolation of Israel. The, 
to be freed, liberated from the occupation and tyranny of the Roman Empire. That's what he meant, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And while you and I may not know what, it, what it's like to wait, to be liberated from some imperial power, we do know with absolute certainty what it's like to wait for consolation in the soul, to wait to be set free, to be liberated for something that has captured and tormented and kept us under occupation for so long. And, and what's fascinating is all of these weeks that we've spent together about waiting, I've introduced different words for the word wait. This particular word is prostagominus. Prostagominus is a Greek word that means wait, but literally it means to, to wait with openness to grant access to, I mean, think in terms of being hospitable or being a host to a guest in your home. It means to open up the doors and be uh, welcoming, to, to grant access to something. Simeon had spent his entire life granting access to God to show up. That's the kind of waiting that he was experiencing. And you know, sometimes I think we struggle because we think that waiting is this hand-wringing, do-nothing-but-sit-in-our-despair kind of period of time. When in reality, it's about learning to grant access to God to your life. It's about learning to grant God access to every realm of your life. Is there any realm in you that you have yet to grant access to God? And I know you're waiting for a particular thing in your life, and maybe... Maybe you, you lend access to God to your heart, but not your head. And you, you, you think there's a better solution. Maybe you grant access to your head, but not your actions. You're not willing to do something about it while you wait. And maybe you're willing to do something, but you've never granted access to your heart. Simeon would say, if you really want the wait to be worth it, you grant access in the wait to your head, your heart, your hands, to your thinking, your feeling, your doing, so that there is no realm in you that you have not granted access to God. Did you pick up on this particular line in Simeon's song? I mean, it's gorgeous. Verse 29 reads, Master, you are now dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He's holding the baby Jesus, 40 days old, in his hands. And he's gazing into the brand new eyes of the Ancient of Days. And he's, he declares with his song, now I can die. Now the wait is over. I have seen the salvation of God. And what's fascinating to me is that Simeon discovers that his salvation has nothing to do with the liberation of his land from the occupying empire of Rome. It has nothing to do with a plan or a program. It's not a politician. It's not a party. It's not a platform. Salvation is a person. Salvation is a person. And so often when, when we wait for some resolution to the season that we're in, we're usually waiting for our circumstances to change. We're waiting for the environment around us to change. We're waiting for some solution that gives us evidence that things really are changing. But the reality is our, our consolation, our salvation is not found 
in a change in our circumstance or a program or some plan is found in the person of Jesus. Is this why Luke, when he wrote his sequel to the Gospel of Luke, the book of Acts, is this why he said, there is no other name given under heaven among mortals by which you may be saved. Because salvation is in the person of Jesus. Is it possible that there is any hope in you to find salvation in something other than him? It would be totally normal to long for it and totally frustrating at the end of that journey. You know, Simeon discovered in that moment, holding the child, that everything we will have ever waited for was in his hands. You know, what's fascinating to me is that Simeon, as he's singing about salvation, that it has come, it is here, I can die now, Simeon knew some things were still unfinished. Rome was still occupying the land. There would still be war and rumors of war. The temple would soon be destroyed in just a matter of years. But it didn't stop him from the confession that even in the midst of trouble, with unfinished business ahead, salvation has come. The wait really is over. You know, it's interesting what old folks can do that young folks can't. Simeon is holding this brand new 40-day-old baby. And he sees his whole life ahead of him. Simeon knows that this child will have some rising and some falling and some rising again. He sees that he will one day be in the temple teaching master teachers. He sees ahead and notices that one day his parents won't be able to keep up with him. That he'll draw crowds and with his teaching will change traditions and turn upside down every expectation about what it means to be faithful and alive and redeemed. And he sees the heartache that's ahead. And in this moment, he turns to Mary and says to her, this will be like a sword in your soul. This will rip your heart out. But Simeon understands that it's okay to look ahead and see that things are not finished. Things may get worse before they get better, but it's all still okay because salvation has come. Do you know this to be true? That it's, it's possible to still be waiting on the thing, but with a confidence that the thing will resolve because salvation has come. Let me tell you what that looks like. So a few years ago, in the early 90s, a newspaper in Little Rock, Arkansas, ran a story, a true story, about an old couple, Bob and Judy. Every year they put out the same nativity set in their front yard, big plastic set of characters, wise men, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, the angel. And this particular year, Christmas had come and gone, and it was time to pack up again. So when they went to pack it up, they noticed that everything was there except the baby Jesus. Somebody had come and swiped baby Jesus. But instead, they found a note inside the manger from baby Jesus. Hey, Bob. Hey, Judy. Gone to see the world for a while. I'll be back next Christmas Eve. Love you, baby Jesus. <laughs> they didn't know what to make of it. 
All they could do is pack everything back up in the boxes, put it back in the attic, and wait for next year. To their absolute amazement, a few weeks passed by, and they got a, they got a letter in the mail with a, a Polaroid, a picture of baby Jesus in Colorado, in the snow, toboggan over his head, and a note that said, Bob, Judy, having a great time skiing, thinking about you, love, baby Jesus. A couple of months later passed, and there was a, another picture and another letter. Panama City Beach. He's laying baby Jesus on a towel in the sand with, with sunglasses on his head and, and, and white zinc on his nose. Hey, having a great time in the water, thinking about you, love, baby Jesus. This thing went on all year long. They could not figure what was going on, who was behind it, or what the whole shtick was about. And then the story takes kind of a tragic turn because then the fall comes. And in October, to everybody's surprise, um, Bob unexpectedly passes away. Nobody was prepared for it. And, and it devastated Judy. She was overwrought with grief. There, there, was, there was nothing and no one that could comfort her. She imagined life as it was, was now over. And in addition, the letters stopped too. The photographs, they stopped coming in the mail. And then Christmas came, and she barely could muster the energy to decorate, but, you know, the kids and the neighbors convinced her. And they, they decorated once more. And, and the, the nativity set showed back up on the front yard, but this time there was no baby Jesus. It was everything but. And as they got closer to Christmas Eve, Judy remembered, as did the other neighbors, that the first note said... I've gone to see the world a bit. I'll see you on Christmas Eve. So everybody wondered with amazement what would happen on Christmas Eve. All day long, neighbors looking outside the window to see what would emerge. Well, shortly after dark, a yellow cab pulls up into the driveway. And some unsuspecting, curious cab driver opens the back door, pulls out a plastic baby Jesus, walks it up to the front porch, knocks on the door. Judy opens the door, and he hands baby Jesus over to Judy. And on baby Jesus, a note is pinned. Hey, Judy, I'm so sorry that it's been a while since I've written. Been pretty busy getting Bob all settled in. He's doing just fine. Love you. Baby Jesus. When I say that this child changes everything, I really mean it. It is possible to feel abject sorrow, grief, disappointment, disillusionment in this life, and at the same time know that everything we will have ever waited for is actually, truly, really accomplished. Why? Because salvation is a person. And that person is born unto us. Friends, I'm praying for you and thinking about you wherever you may be today. And I don't know if I've told you lately, have I? How much I love being your pastor. Well, I do. And on behalf of my wife, Laura, and our boys, I'd like to wish you on behalf of the King family a very Merry Christmas with the hope that you know this day the wait is over.